Huh. Oh, oh boy. Here we go. Here we go. I'm old. I'm a turtle. I'm two turtles. My name is Mr. Turtles. Hi, Mr. Turtles. I'm Mr. Belvedere. Hi, Mr. Belvedere. I'm Mr. Belvedere. Hi, Mr. Bo Burnham. I'm a huge fan. Have you listened to my favorite song? My favorite song is uh, Wheels on the Bus. I said my favorite song, not your favorite song. Back in my day, we only had one song. You greedy old turtle. I'm going to punch you and your mom. <laughs> I'm going to punch you and your mom. Dark hello, listeners, and welcome to Season 2 of Zero Credits, the show where we talk about edgy things. I'm Dark Henry. And I'm uh, Evil John. And together we're Dark Henry and Evil... Is this what you meant when you said we wanted to go with like a darker version of our show for Season 2? Yeah, I mean, uh, every great trilogy in history, the second chapter is always the dark middle chapter. Gotcha, gotcha. So I, I so Dark Henry and Evil John, is that we're keeping those monikers? See, I want to go in the uh Call of Duty Modern Warfare direction with our storytelling, where the first one is is rocky but impactful, and the second one is meaninglessly darker and there are a lot more explosions. Alright, well buckle up listeners, cause this is season two of zero credits. With explosions and darkness and meaninglessness. And uh, in case you were wondering, this is what an explosion sounds like. This is what darkness sounds like. And this is what meaninglessness sounds like. Now keep those in mind. Now that we've got that out of the way, uh, John. Oh, what? Huh? <laughs> hey, John. Yes, Henry. Yeah, uh, we took we took we took quite a break there. You know, putting this season together, we would really, we've really, really prepared. We've really prepared for this season, and I just want, I just want to know one thing, John. What's that, Henry? What are we doing? Oh, what are we doing? Bringing back that time-honored segment. Well, it's, it wouldn't be zero credits without at least one returning segment. Yeah, and maybe there will be more in the future. Who knows? Probably us, because we're totally prepared for this season. So, what we're doing is introducing you, the listener, to the new... Season 2 of Zero Credits. Yeah, we got facts. And? Uh, more facts. And? We got 
loosely constructed themes of episodes where we're gonna we're gonna some of the theme it's gonna be all of the things we talk about might loosely be connected might not be it's part of the adventure you know sometimes when you go out and you play bar trivia and they have that round where all the answers form together a theme that if you get that theme you get extra points exactly if you can guess the theme of tonight's episode by the end you win a free round of beer However, if you have to wait to the end, like if the episode ends and then you get it, you get nothing. You, in fact, get negative beer. We come to your house and we take beer away from you. In exchange for your company. And actually, if, well, if you don't have any beer in your house, we start to extract beer from your past. And that, that, that just gets embarrassing, because then, like, one of those drunken nights, you weren't actually drunk. And everybody Yeah, you're knows. just an asshole. Yeah, yeah. And that's just egg on your face, but, you know, that's just how it goes. So get the theme by the end of the episode. So the first thing that I want to talk about... Alright. Uh, something that's pertinent to me. Um, I believe it's pertinent to you, and I think it might be pertinent to uh, every human uh, being. You know, that really narrows down what you want to talk about. I'm really glad you're being specific. And I think that that thing is your healthcare. My healthcare is really... Wait, my healthcare is relevant to every person? It's the royal your. Oh, the queen's healthcare. Got it. I'm not I'm not responding to that. You uh, got it. So healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, what, what about healthcare? I, I, it's a hot, it's a hot button topic in the news these days. What with, you know, the world's greatest healthcare bill which was turned out to be some type of weird media trap, and then the other one, which is called, what, the Affordable Health Care, not ACT. I think it's the ACHA, AHC, Affordable Health Care Act. Yep, got it. So so this one has hyperactivism? Yeah, it's a, it's a hyperactive act. Yeah, so so healthcare and and how it relates to us, what, what, what do we got? What, what, what do you got on the docket for healthcare? Uh, so for healthcare, I was thinking just in general, uh, what people stand to lose and what they stand to gain from when a new administration takes over and changes the way that a, a healthcare system operates. And I think that it's an important conversation to have because not everyone is informed. Actually, I did read that a surprising amount of people are not informed. In fact, like, the repeals that are being proposed to our current healthcare system seems to affect just millions of people who are just going to lose coverage and possibly, you know, die because they're no longer covered. And one thing that, and I think I've discussed this on the podcast before, something that I'm not particularly well-versed in and may never be is insurance. Oh, yeah. I, I just had to go through the, the, the whole act of signing up for insurance and I really felt like I needed, like, two dictionaries and a lawyer to understand what it was I was actually signing up for. I know one thing, and that's when insurance is offered to me, I take it because I don't understand it. Yeah, but, like, what if what if one day you might get an offer of insurance and it, it's got, like, four different options, and then you got to understand what the difference is between those options. That's what I went through. Like, what's a copay? What's a deductible? 
What's a pre-existing condition? I guess that one's pretty self-explanatory. Well, it, not necessarily, because some pre-existing conditions, you know, it, it, it really depends on the plan. Because some, some conditions are pre-existing and some are not. And when I said that I take insurance that is offered to me, a good example of that is insurance through my work. Uh, I don't know if I can say what company it's through, but they offer a series of packages for various things, like accident insurance, accidental death insurance, and they were like, would you like cancer insurance? And that sounds good. That that does sound good. So I, I opted for a plan which didn't seem too expensive, which pays me like $10,000 if I ever get diagnosed with cancer and all this stuff, but there is no way that I, in my everyday life, can like keep straight what benefits I have at a given time, because I'm pretty sure there was a thing in the insurance that I have where if I, like, get three blood tests in a year, they'll give me a bunch of money? What? That sounds interesting. Why would they do that? I, I, I don't know. I think it's... I think that if you get the blood test, the idea is that it's going to, uh, I guess, make you aware of any problems you might have, so they are incentivizing you to get yourself checked out as soon as possible, so you're not, like, a ticking time bomb. That's kind of cool. Yeah, my- the way I the way I view healthcare is they give me a card, right? I give that card to a specialist who then knows what plan I have, right? Yeah. It's just it's really uh, I had to call my parents for advice on what insurance to sign up for cuz like I couldn't I couldn't start my job until I picked a plan, but I couldn't pick a plan cuz I no one teaches you this stuff. I really feel like this should be, if not high school, college. Yeah, like there should be some kind of class in college that's like home ec. Yes, like home economics that teaches you to pay taxes, what health insurance is, and how to start a 401k or an IRA. Because I know that when I went to get my eyes checked, and I talked about this before, but I had no idea what my vision coverage was whatsoever, so I just handed a lady my card. She handed the card back and said, you're free to go. And I just trusted that I didn't have to pay her. Well, yeah. I I mean, you should make an effort to maybe try to get a little more informed about your plan. Because I know I'd pay, I'm going to start paying like 10 bucks a month for for vision or something like that when my plan goes into effect. Somehow find out, man. You got to find out. You got to find out if you got a life insurance policy like I do. Yeah, but I mean, they gave me these giant packets of information to read through and... I'd much rather read Jack Kerouac than read about my own body deteriorating. Yeah, I, I would much rather read, I don't know, Deadpool than than read through the actual language of this of these documents. But I, it helps to be informed about whether or not you get money if you get struck by, I don't know, a falling light fixture at your place of work. Uh, related to that, would you like to take part in my Henry Deadpool you have a Henry Deadpool? Uh, now that I know that you don't know what your health insurance is like, yes. I I do know I have a $50,000 life insurance policy. Yeah, I added up all the uh, incidental life insurance that I've accrued over the years, and my beneficiary is going pretty well off. You're welcome, my cat. Yeah, I mean, my parents have quite a windfall coming to me if I die on the job. <laughs> I know, I know. So are they like are they like planning your death? They've already threatened a few times. 
Um, but I haven't seen anything yet, so... Well, you're not gonna see it. You're not gonna see it coming. Well, I mean, I... I have to use a security badge to get into my place of work, so I, I think I'm pretty well protected. Have you ever played a Hitman game? Because it's going to be like that. Except it's going to be a really sad mission where you have to kill your own son. Hit parents. Oh, that'd be so good. I'm going to start making that game right now. Yeah, do it. Do it just like the guy who made Stardew Valley did it. By yourself over the course of like 14 years. Perfect. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I got all the time in the world left. Do you? Have you had your blood test done? No, I really need to have my blood test done, probably. I need to find out if I'm diabetic. Alright, so what are people losing if we change or if we repeal the current healthcare system that we have? I think the most important thing that they're going to lose is they're going to lose open healthcare marketplaces. Is that where individual companies kind of compete for competitive pricing for coverage? Yeah, it was something that allowed, uh, it, it kind of shifted the dynamic of typical healthcare where it put healthcare providers in a position where they would be bidding to get people insured, not trying to lock people out and only accept the healthiest people. That, that does seem like a, a thing that would benefit, I don't know, say any everyday citizen. Um, but I, I did go through a process of applying for healthcare on my own without a company. Because my, my coverage ran out under my parents' protection. And it was really just a nightmare of telemarketers calling me, offering me packages I didn't understand, all of which was done over the phone. There's no way to really sign up for this stuff online. Because I think even though the open market was like they were trying to do the best by the, cu the customer, they were also trying to confuse the customer into choosing one sort of protection plan over the other. And I ended up spending a good $300 on a plan that didn't actually work like a plan. It was a weird reimbursement system, which no one explained to me. And that's something that I feel was really missing from the open healthcare marketplace was transparency. Yeah. Because what I was in a similar position to you, I ran out, well, uh, this was the first time in my life I was able to have health insurance. Yeah. Uh, I never had it through my parents or anything like that. So I went and I applied and they said, all right, uh, your monthly premium is $200. And I quickly said, I guess I am not insured. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. Because, I mean, at uh, I know it certainly doesn't feel like it, especially not to me, but you and I are in a somewhat rarefied position that we have, you know, employer-provided health care. Yeah, it's really... That's gotta be the way to go, you know, you, as, as much as I hate it, because it's like you're tied to your job now, but it's, I pay nothing for my health insurance. Mm hmm. But not everybody can get, not everybody can have a job that does that, because capitalism is evil. And you would imagine, at least in my mind, uh, that the maybe first and foremost power that people have is power over their own health. They should have a right to be healthy because it's the only thing we have. You would think that a person would be entitled to ensure that they don't get sick or that if they get sick, that they can get healthy without going bankrupt. Yeah, you you shouldn't be turned away for having an illness and you shouldn't have to declare bankruptcy because you get sick. And I think that's something that everyone can agree on regardless of their political predilections. So why 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 are people getting rid of a system that helps people get insured even though there are 
some admitted kind of weaknesses to how it's being carried out. Uh, because some people perceive it to be socialist garbage. Some people, uh, much in the same way that it's hard to understand how health insurance works, it's hard to understand how health care reform works. Yes, I, I mean, even our own president kind of admitted that. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, even if we change over to, like, a credit-based system with an enrollment penalty if you weren't previously enrolled, then we're still essentially doing the same thing that the Affordable Care Act did. We're just changing around the bits and pieces to give it different problems without actually improving the thing as it was and trying to maybe shoehorn in our political beliefs where they're necessary. Well, not necessary. But instead of, like, trying to fix the thing we had... We're trying to, like, repeal and replace it with something that's just a, a different monster with its parts in a different order. Yeah, I mean, as long as they can slap their own name on it, then it's then it's suddenly good to their cons cons constituents. It's all about marketing. Yeah, it's all branding, you know? That's why it's called Obamacare, not the Affordable Health... Wait, what is it called? The Affordable Care Act? Affordable Care Act. Yeah, so that, yeah. And this new one, you know, people are calling, well, all sorts of things we haven't really decided. Turns out, people who are against Republicans aren't really good at branding. I don't know mm -hmm. if that says anything about the, the two sides. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like the, I feel like the left side of the aisle has gotten kind of, has gotten lazy with its jokes and they need to sharpen those teeth again. Yeah, because like, I, you know, just agree on a name. I've seen like Trump care and, Republic care and I don't know. There's a bunch of different names and none of it sticks because there's not even just one bill because they introduced two, one with a ridiculous name and a real one. It's like a shell game. It's like they're playing shell games with the media. And I mean, it's, uh, it's something that we, we, it's something that journalists and people in the media have to get good about is, uh, is pouncing on things, making, uh, really kind of decisive moves, getting better at marketing their agenda. Because like I said, over the last eight years, they've had room to get lazy because they weren't the party that needed to defend itself. Yeah, and, you know, we've got this clickbait culture where it's just headlines. It's all about the headlines and getting the click. And I really feel like that's hurting journalism because the most sensational headline will be that Trump just introduced a health care act called the world's greatest health care of 2017 i forget the year uh but and so that that article gets circulated but that's it's about the wrong bill mm -hmm. and and but they got the clicks that's all they care about and that's hurting the conversation because it's like look what look what trump did now and then the people who are on the other side they're like well that's not the real health care act so it's like the media they're giving the media ammunition and the the media is giving both sides ammunition to continue fighting pointless fights while meanwhile the real bill is being discussed and debated in Congress. Yeah, well, meanwhile, the actual problem is happening. And, uh, yeah. as far as long as people can get, uh, publicity and clicks and ad traffic, then they don't really care. They're not really getting a message across. You can have something with a political tinge, but at the end of the day, it's really just about making money. And, I, you know, as trite and as, as cliche as it's become, I really feel like people need to, to wake up or stay woke or however we're phrasing it these days to, to kind of stop giving clickbait clicks 
And I feel like this hasn't been uh, pertinent advice for a long, long time, but I'm finding myself more and more drawn to cracking open, uh, well, I crack them open on a computer, but cracking open newspapers and magazines and not going to uh, maybe the news sources you had been going to in the past. Yeah, I- I've stopped getting my news from Reddit and Facebook, and I've started actually looking at, well, BBC, because... I- at least I can I can be sure that they're not you know partisan because they're from a different country. Yeah, you know, go to go to BBC, go to C-SPAN if you gotta uh, crack open an issue of the Economist, even though they have that ridiculous article limit. If you're viewing it online, shoutouts to the Economist. It's a it's a it's a good read. But I, you know, I, I feel like a lot of our problems, even you know, the the the, the healthcare issue, and even this just journalism topic that we're discussing now stem from the same issue where we really need to get away from trying to make as much money as possible while cutting the most corners as possible. Yeah, we need to to reach an equilibrium where we are all right with uh, letting go of money if it increases people's quality of life. And that goes for politics, it goes for journalism, it goes for health care, it goes for pharmaceuticals. I think, like, if you invest in people, the amount of money you can make goes up. Because investing in people, as in, like, you know, investing in their health care or their well-being, investing in making sure that everyone has enough, can only produce more workers and more consumers. It's like, it becomes a good cycle of Put money into people, people will put money back into the system, and it's just everything works. I'm not an economist, but in theory, it seems like that's the way to go. And that's something that I read real quick, super quick nitpick. I was reading an article that was, uh, it was supposing that if we raised the minimum wage to $15 that we would lose workers, and of course, that's a, that's a no-brainer, but it was saying it was stating its position as if the fight for 15 was flat out, we would accept nothing but $15 an hour because that is the new standard of living. And uh, that's untrue. And the thing about the fight for 15 is they are fighting for $15 an hour because they are fighting for well beyond what they actually expect to get. Because if you're fighting for $15 an hour you're going to land somewhere in the middle between minimum wage and $15, and that's going to make your life a lot easier. But they, they were citing all these these studies, well, these examples from other countries and other companies that had done a similar percentage-wise increase of more than 100%. They're like, the demand for labor went down, so they started replacing people all over the map. It's like, of course they did, because doubling someone's wage is crazy. Yeah, yeah, the the 15 limit is basically, yeah, it's a classic negotiation technique where you start high and meet in the middle. I mean, has, have these people never haggled or bartered before? I mean, I'm Rick Harrison, and welcome to my pawn shop. Exactly, or, or just negotiating your salary, you're supposed to use the same tactic where you start out with a higher number that you would love to get, in theory, but in reality, you realize you will never get, and you end up somewhere still on the increase, but not quite as much as you first quote. I am so excited for my next job because I did not do that at my current job. I basically came in the door, hat in hand. I was like, if you can fill my hat with kibble, I'll be all right. I'll make do. I I actually negotiated my salary by accident because I was making 
a basic guess at what I thought would be sort of based on the national average for my, my position, what would be acceptable. And I en- ended up getting, you know, not quite that, but more than I would have gotten if I didn't say anything. Yeah, really should have done that. Really should have fought harder for mine. But hey, at least we got health care. Yeah. And, you know, that pays for itself because when you invest in yourself, you can st- keep doing work to keep getting money. Uh, can we talk about how perfectly all of these things we were just talking about kind of kind of came up over themselves and coalesced into a hole? What is coalesced into a Oh, not not a hole as in like a pit in the ground, but a hole as in like a sum of parts. Yeah, sum of parts. <laughs> I thought when you said coalesced into a hole, I was like, how did we dig a hole? I don't understand, but I get it. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really awesome how we did that. Look at us. Look at us. We're doing work. Season two is off to a great start already. Yeah. It is. Boy, I wish I had said that about five minutes later than I did. I was about to say, because we we got we got, we got got some time to fill here. Um, yep, we got like five more minutes. Shit. Well, I guess we can start introducing what's going to happen next, and hopefully that covers the time. Oh, yeah. So what's going to happen next is we're going to take a break. However, the breaks that you are accustomed to, where it's just boodle bop, and then we say something dumb, and then boodle bop, and we're back, those are a thing of the past. And, you know, we used to do little fake advertisements, and uh, those are also a thing of the past. No fake advertisements, no bloopers, okay, maybe a blooper, but instead we're going to do something we're really excited about, and I'm going to let John continue explaining. So essentially, we we decided that if we're out here uh, reaching out to people, jokes are all well and good, and we're going to still continue to make those, but as long as we have a venue from which to, to project things, uh, a lighthouse, a, a megaphone, or a particularly tall hill we can scream off of, uh, we might as well uh, try to find some people whose work we truly believe in and feature them on our podcast over the break in form of music. Exactly. We do like other artists, but we unfortunately we cannot some we can't we can't we can't show art on our podcast. We can't plug in. We can't you can't put a painting. You can't plug a painting into an amp. You can't. We tried. The science is not there. We tried. That's what the two week break was. We were just plugging paintings into amps. And it, nothing, nothing happened. So it took me a long, long time to create a canvas to quarter-inch jack adapter. And you know, he, John, did a lot of good work on that adapter, but it didn't work, and he's a failure. So we decided just to do music because John likes music. Uh, he likes music a lot. I've, I've been known to listen to a song on occasion, and it seems like that's the direction we want to go. And I think that it's. Uh, particularly helpful to showcase people who maybe don't have the audience they deserve because we we gain a benefit in that you guys get something nice to listen to. We get to sit back for three to five minutes because, as you all know, breaks are in real time. Yes, of course. And, and then we, we benefit these artists because they get a little bit more recognition. They get that zero credits bump. And if you guys listen to something that you love, you can go out and find more of it. Exactly. And, you know, it's just a good little circle of of promotion, I guess. Because you know what happens, Henry? What happens, John? That when you help people, they're more powerful and able to help you. 
and we're going to make musicians the most powerful people on the planet. Oh, wouldn't that be great? I guess. I don't know. I don't, I mean, what would they do? Like, write songs? I'd vote for the Aerosmith Affordable Care Act. Wait. So. Aerosmith reference. Aerosmith? Who's Aerosmith? Uh, Aerosmith. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know anything about music. Alright, and now that we've explained it and thoroughly confused you, welcome to The Break.
All right, listeners, what you just heard was World Keeps Moving On by Alan Mann off his EP Spiritland. If you want to hear more of Alan's stuff, you can go to alanman.bandcamp.com. That's A-L-L-E-N-M-A-N-N dot B-A-N-D-C-A-M-P dot C-O-M. You didn't have to spell Bandcamp. Oh, could people figure that one out? But yeah, we here at Zero Credits, we really like Alan's stuff, and we hope you do too. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've met the guy. He's great. Yeah, he's a super nice guy, and uh, I think everyone should listen to at least some of his stuff out there. It's it's really good. It's really, really good stuff. And if you ever want to see him in an acting role, check out Max Peril. Oh, Max Peril, another good shout-out. Yeah, that's a movie, and uh, he's in it. We'll uh we'll save those further shout outs for later when we play that entire movie during the course of the break. Right, because it turns out we can hook up a movie to an amp. My podcast to quarter inch jack adapter is actually a lot better. Yeah, I mean it, it sounds smoky smooth. But uh Henry Oh John A little bird told me that you had a segment primed ready to go in the chamber of that podcast Glock. Yes, uh I don't have a name for the segment. It's really just a thing of interest. Oh, nice. And uh, the thing of interest for today is that a Texas lawmaker introduced a bill that would prohibit uh, men from masturbating as it is an affront against an unborn child. Uh, isn't it technically an affront against thousands of unborn children? Yes, technically yes. Uh, the bill proposes to fine men $100 for every instance of the illegal act. So is this person like a cartoon character? This, the, the, uh, uh, yes, that, that's a major fact, a major, a, a lot of the reactions are that. The bill was made to poke fun of, uh, how Texas legislation talks about anything to do with women's health. Oh, it's a troll bill. It is a troll bill. It, it was made to highlight how absurd it is that they want to regulate certain things about women's health. So this this Texas lawmaker, and she's a she, uh, did this to kind of highlight, point out, and, and of course, run the media circus of, hey, look, this is absurd. Flip the genders. It's still absurd, you know? Tr- try to get people to wake up and see that we shouldn't have old white men telling women what they can do with their bodies in the same way that we shouldn't have an old white woman tell men what they should do with their bodies. That's actually, it's really clever from a lot of different angles because it's, it number one, is, is out of hand ridiculous because the genders are swapped. Exactly. But then it's also uh, ridiculous and shines a, a really good light on the fact that women's bodies are effectively, like you said, being controlled by old white men. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Man, you know, when's the last time someone said, do I have a feel-good Texas lawmaker proposing a bill about people's bodies for you? You know, I I don't think anyone's ever said that ever. Not since they passed a bill or proposed a bill where you had to, like, I don't know, burn human remains or something. Look, Texas is a weird place, man. I mean, we all remember when, uh, when Congress, now, when Mayor, 
when Senator uh, Abner Snopes uh, introduced a bill saying that you had to p- party. That was a good one. That was such a good one that, that actually really exists and is no way thought up on, on the fly. That was 1920-aught-7. 1920-aught-7. Yeah, I don't know what the aught stands for when people say years. Aught would stand for if there's a zero in the third the third place of the year, so like oh, 19 oh, zero. Shit, so it's in the future. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you had that future-looking machine. Yeah, the future Abner Snopes senator. 17,000 years from now. <laughs> Who just has a mandate to party. Yeah, he wrote it on his iPad. <laughs> Wait, oh, there's still iPads 17,000 years in the future. Well, it is the future, after all. You're right. They probably have perfected it by now. Uh, So, that's a, that's a cool bill. I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know, I, it wasn't proposed to actually get passed. Just start a conversation, which it certainly did, because... A large majority of the people who heard about it took it at face value and not for the commentary that it is. So maybe this is a good example of uh, of maybe websites being like, oh, uh, this seems ridiculous. I'm going to report on it blanketly without thinking about what it actually what it actually means or what the history behind it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, a, a a clickbait journalist will take the the just the event at face value and report it with no commentary or or commentary that doesn't analyze or like commentary in the form of parks and recreation gifts exactly that that yes that's exactly what they will do now now a real journalist will take that research it break it down and explain why exactly it's happening and what you know people can take away from it that's not just wow look at this wacky lawmaker and their weird ideas ooh have we seriously reached a point in the future, the I guess the point in the present, where a great marketing strategy to be heard politically is to introduce crazy laws just to get people to look at them? Well, I mean, it, th- there's a long-standing history of this kind of thing. If you if you look at a modest proposal, oh, you're you, right. You know, it, it, satire as a way of political commentary. You know, modest proposal wasn't through legal channels, but but it has a it's a, it's a tactic to get people to kind of wake up and see, hey, you're being ridiculous, and I if I have to do something ridiculous to get you to see how ridiculous you're being, then so be it. So I guess maybe the the political the political world is a little bit like Rick Harrison's pawn shop. Like you start with a higher offer so that people can realize they're being ridiculous, and they meet you somewhere in the middle. Yes, but in the course uh, of the show of that that Rick's pawn shop thing, you you ultimately I, I think he just rips people off though. I'm, it's all fake. Well, yeah, it is all fake. They're given the items, and then like all of the buddies are just friends who have shops around the area. Yeah, I, it's it's all fake. But it's, it's the best I can do is two dollars. Hey, how about fifty? No, no, no. The best I can do is two dollars. Uh, forty. Uh, the bet. I, okay, I'll 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 see you at three dollars. But the best I can do is two dollars. Uh, how about forty-five? I'm not budging. You're hired. All right. Your salary is three dollars. Wait, no, <laughs> you flipped the script. See, and now you understand how important it was. 
How important what was? The, that, that, what just happened to you. That didn't seem important at all. So, uh, I, I, that's, my mind is reeling because I'm trying to think of laws that I could introduce were I a, a hypothetical uh, lawmaker that could bring attention to issues I care about. I'm, I, I guess one that would probably be taken seriously would be like a just a 100% increase in tax on the poor or something like that. 1,000% increase in tax. One, there's a 100% sales tax for poor people. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, though some people would probably back that up. They'd be okay with that. Exactly, That's it would probably be taken seriously, so it's got to be something like, I, I don't know, a, a $1 billion tax break on poor people. Ah, oh, I'd be down with that. I'd vote for that. Yeah, because, like, they're not, I mean, poor people don't pay a billion dollars. Yeah. They're under the billion-dollar tax bracket. Now, uh, I had a thing to talk about, if you'd be open to it. Oh, John. John, John. John, 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 John. I'm as open as a book that is open. So, uh, I know that we're kind of talking about taking zero credits in a slightly more serious direction at times, and I'm going to uh, kick that off by doing something that I'm not sure that I've ever done before. Are you You're about to rap? Uh, no, I'm in fact am going to direct people to a, uh, interesting article that they can read in a magazine. Wow, that, that sounds, that sounds kind of bona fide and kind of like we've got a source behind our crazy talky talks now. So this is an article from Jacobin Magazine. Jacobin, Jacobin. I, either way, I've never heard of it. It's, uh, it's a magazine that's good, uh, but. It is an article called The Anti-Capitalist Bodybuilder, and it is by Adam Satella. Zatella. I'm probably butchering his last name, but it is a really fascinating read uh, if you have any interest in kind of how physical culture plays into kind of work culture and labor culture, uh, especially things like Taylorism, you know, scientific management. Gotcha. It's it presupposes that the the act of bodybuilding and gym culture in and of itself is something that fell out of the hyper capitalist uh tailorist scientific management that happened at the turn of the 20th century where workers were timed made extremely efficient and had to expend as little energy as possible so things like uh artisanship ceased to exist craftsmanship people who worked very hard for, for not a lot of product, those things were, were put to the back burner so that people could work in, uh, you know, not, not sweatshops, factories. Gotcha. And, and manufacturing jobs and various other blue collar jobs like that. And it talks about how during the early age of, of things like physical culture, people like Eugene Sandow, uh, one of the first bodybuilders, they were proponents of these things called mimetic exercises, which are exercises that mimic how the human body would move in the course of labor, okay. which is where you get modern gym equipment from. Yeah. And it was this uh, this desire by people to reconnect with their roots, reconnect with their bodies, following these physical culture precepts that led to the modern kind of fitness craze we have now. People who, and I think you can see this echoing through things like 
CrossFit and Strongman and all of these competitive uh, physical arts is that people don't really exercise their bodies in their jobs because it is inefficient to do so, and scientific management has really quashed that so that they have to find an outlet somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, we're all working desk jobs right now anyway, so it's like you got to find another way to exercise the body so that that's the gym or they're running or, or something that does not mimic what we do every day in our jobs. And even if you work a, a difficult job, let's say you're uh let's say you lay shingles on a roof, you still have a large team, you have a van that takes you there, you have a machine that nails the shingles down, everything has reached such a level of efficiency that nothing can ever be as hard as it was a hundred and fifty years ago. Yeah, we're no longer using outdated methods that would require that physical strength and physical ability so we gotta i don't know we, we gotta find other ways to get that sort of physical movement in our everyday lives and i feel like if you go back to the the 60s 70s 80s even the 90s things like bodybuilder culture and weightlifting culture and people who ran a lot these were seen as like fringe weirdos but now, today, it's it's very normal. Uh, parts of these physical culture um, microcosms, parts of their vocabulary, are in our everyday vocabulary. Like, we say cardio now, whereas, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago, no one was talking about whether they were getting enough cardio or not. They just called it exercise, or they just loosely thought of it as calisthenics. Yeah, now, today we say gains and protein and leg day almost on a daily... I'm kidding, we don't say it on a daily basis, but those terms are floating around our vocabularies every day. And I think that's because as the middle class disappears, which demonstrably the middle class is getting smaller and smaller, there is less room for people to have physically demanding jobs. We're becoming more and more accustomed to sitting in chairs and solving problems with our brains or doing work that is made highly efficient, that we have to get an outlet somewhere. And that's why so many people who work high-paying desk jobs, high-paying white-collar jobs are really into CrossFit because they need some way to communicate with their bodies. Yeah, or, you know, people just give up and get fat and lazy. And I feel like that was the paradigm that we accepted for a while because I I feel like we didn't... I feel like there was this this moment that we connected with human physicality within the last 20 years that we didn't have before, and we just had people dying of heart disease all the time and just a sedentary lifestyle because that seemed like the life you wanted because there didn't seem like there was much other option. It's kind of like, you know, uh, so back when we had the heavy labor jobs that, that required the physical strength that we did, you were kind of always working to be the boss who didn't have that, that you didn't have to do the hard work. He could lounge around. That was kind of like the luxury, uh, result of, of all of your hard work. So as, as those jobs became less, more and more people were like, when they're not working, I can just lounge around now. It's what I've always wanted to do. It's what my grandfather wanted to do, but couldn't because of his job. But now, why would I choose to do the hard work. That's kind of lower class. And if you look throughout history, uh, a really good indicator of the kind of lives people want to lead is in the form of what society prizes as as beautiful, because way back when everyone was working a hard, 
menial job, the ideal of beauty was like plump and refined and, and regal and quiet because people wanted that boss lifestyle where they were in charge of people. They always had food they never wanted for things. And today we all want to be like chiseled, marble, you know, really fit people because, well, that's what that's what the celebrities get to do and they must have really good lives, right? And I think, I think actually the change of celebrities, because celebrities are getting more and more ripped and muscular and lean and all this stuff pretty much across the board. Like the fact that you see Daisy Ridley deadlifting, even though she's in Star Wars and is by no means like a, like a physical icon, just goes to show that the thing that we're prizing in our culture as, as attractive and desirable are people who are attuned with their bodies because we don't feel like we are because we feel more separate from them than we ever have yeah but i'm just gonna say now that i work a 40-hour work week when 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 am i supposed to go work out it's i got co-workers waking up at 4 a.m to go to the gym that's insane I'm not doing that. I am struggling with the exact same thing. I don't want to do that. And then it's like, oh, I'll go after work. But then after work, you got to sit in traffic and you get home, you're hungry. It's like, I don't want to go to the gym. I just want to relax. I worked all day. So it's like, I need a standing desk that is also a place where I can do squats. A squatting desk. A squatting desk. Uh, I do know some guy who set up a standing desk in front of a squat rack in his home office so he can squat and type. That's pretty awesome. But it's it's something that people, I guess, need to think about sometimes is how much they're they're devoting to their bodies versus how much they're devoting to their work, and and think about what what you really want out of life because you know studies have proven that if you exercise, you get four more productive hours out of every day. That's like. That's like 28 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Wait, do I have to exercise every day to get the four more productive hours every day? This was a study on people who exercise three times a week. Oh, three times a week. Okay, so, you know, three hours to get 28 hours. That's a good exchange. It seems like a pretty good exchange. And uh, the the it's funny that you bring up the 40-hour work week and how it relates to your own physical fitness goals because this is essentially at the heart of this article, because it is called The Anti-Capitalist Bodybuilder, it talks about how people who are very serious bodybuilders work, you know, hard, part-time, decently paying jobs. They generally don't live in mansions or houses or even good apartments. They lavish their time on the gym because it's what they choose to be more important than pursuing uh, a traditionally capitalist lifestyle. In some ways, if you're a bodybuilder, and you're committing so much time to these mimetic movements, mimicking actual physical work to the detriment of your life and your capacity to make money, then you are by definition opposed to capitalism. Huh. So it's like the 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 anti-capitalist symbol isn't like a hammer or sickle. It, it's a it's a it's a it's a bell bar or a dumbbar. It's a yeah. It's it's a Jim Shaker crossed with a dumbbell. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, that is uh that is the anti-capitalist bodybuilder on Jacobin. Uh so in Jacobin on Jacobin. How do you refer to print media? Uh I would say in because it's in the magazine. But it's also on the web on the web. 
You said print media, not digital media. But it's both. No, no, no. It's in the magazine. It's in the magazine. It's on the webpage. It's on the webpage. It's in the magazine on the webpage. It's in on the magazine on in the webpage. Or you could say, it's on the magazine's website. It's on the magazine's website. That way you get all the parts. Can I say it's in the website's magazine? No, because the website's not a magazine, but the magazine is a website. It's, it's like the there's a square and the rectangle thing. I never understood MLA. God damn it, dude. Uh, I'm not explaining it further. Oh, that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. It's uh, It's pretty good. And I think that you, too, will find that you are an anti-capitalist bodybuilder. Unless you're not, and you're a pro-capitalist slug man. Well, I, I I think we should start lifting our way to a revolution. Is that treason? Does, is it treasonous to be anti-capitalist? Uh, some might say yes, but I think as long as you're not anti-democracy... Oh, no, I love democracy. I, uh, I think that... I'm a big proponent of the idea that people should either work shorter days or work fewer days of the week. Yeah, you know the uh the 4-day work week I think is a good compromise. Uh, everyone seems to love a 3-day weekend and uh if that's the reg, then I feel like people would be more productive and they wouldn't waste hours of the day taking breaks or just well taking breaks because it's like if I have to work less, that's less time that I actually have to get things done. I feel if the golden median of uh, of exercise time for the average person that is reasonable is three days a week, just work out on every one of your three days of the weekend in the four-day work week. That might be good, because like with the two-day weekend, I feel like it just gets started and it just ends, you know? It's too quick. But with three days, there's time. So it's like, okay, I can't just do nothing today, so I'm going to work out. Yeah, and I mean... Let me walk you through my day today. All right. Uh, as you know, we lost uh, we lost an hour. Rest in peace. One oh, o'clock. Jesus Christ! I um, that's the whole day was thrown off. Yep. So we lost that hour. I woke up uh, right when my alarm went off. Uh, right when I was supposed to go to the gym, and I got out of bed and realized that everything good and pure and worthwhile in the world was still waiting in my bed, which is warmth and comfort and sleep and dreams. Yeah. Uh, so I went back to bed. However, for the last two weeks, I've been packing a gym bag with clothes for work, with supplies, with my glasses. I lay everything out, prepared to go to the gym in the morning. And do you know how many times I've gone to the gym in the morning in those two weeks? Once. None. Oh my gosh. I have not managed to pull myself to the gym at any point in these two weeks that I've been packing this bag with my stuff. That's crazy. And I love to work out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there was that extent where we worked out together, and it was like I would wake up way earlier than I normally would, and I would go. But it just doesn't seem worth it anymore. I don't know. It's just really hard to wake up in the morning. It's really hard to wake up in the morning, but let me tell you something. And I'm not a convert, but I did work out a couple of times really early in the morning before I went to work. Yeah? It changes your day, man. It's like you're on super drugs. Does it make time go faster? It makes time go faster. It makes you more productive. It makes everything feel a little bit better. Because I had an awful day at work when I went back in after that day of working out. But, man, I felt so much better. 
Well, maybe I'll become a convert to... Yeah, convert. Convert to the early work. Convert. Convert. So, uh, I think everyone should wake up a little bit earlier and go pound it out at the gym. While they're reading articles from Jacobson Magazine. Yeah, Jacobson. And listening to music by Alan Matt. Wait, have we just become Weird Chills? Uh, Weird Chills is the name of the next band we're featuring. <laughs> is it really now? Yeah, it's my band. You don't have a band. We're quad wavers. Quad wavers? Yeah, quad ravers. Quad ravers. You know, that, that new genre that the kids are listening to. We rave four times harder than others. Oh, that's why you're called quad ravers. So I have some bad news, Henry. What's your bad news, John? And don't, please, please don't tell me that it's the episode's over. It's about five minutes away from being over, so we gotta chop chop hurry up. Well, when do we reveal the theme? Oh, right now, before Whoa. the plugs. Here comes, d d did you? Did you, dear listener, did you guess today's episode's theme? I'll give you a hint. This is your last chance to get it. After this one hint, th after this one hint, y you owe us. So here's the hint. Here is the hint. And we're going to we're going to tell you what it is seconds after I give you the hint. Yeah, you you got you got like seconds and and we mean literally. Okay, so the hint is this. Here it comes. Ow, my body. Oh no, his body. Did you get it? I feel like we're Dora the Explorer now. Oh, so the this episode's theme was, let's say it together. Uh, oh. <laughs> That's a lot harder over Skype. Yes, this episode's theme was health. Yes, today's theme was health. As you know, we talked about healthcare. We talked about journalism and how unhealthy it is. We talked about Alan Mann's music. We talked about that weird bill from Texas. And of course, we talked about the Jacobson article, all of which had to do with health. We may have at multiple points said, speaking of health. And that might have happened. However, you, you gotta guess it still, but you, it's too late now, so good luck next time, suckers. It's over. It's over and you're a sucker. Yeah, you're health suckers. Yeah, take it. So I guess that concludes the first episode of Season 2 of Zero Credits. It, I, I, I suppose you are correct. So if you want to reach out to us to join this sweet, sweet train that's just leaving the Season 2 station, you can send us an email at zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com and... You can send us music there if you would like us to feature your music or the music of your friends. Yes, if you have a band or know a band who may be interested in having their or your music featured on our podcast, please drop a line at our email, zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. And you, if you want to reach us with that exact same information, uh, including questions, comments, suggestions, emojis, uh, you can also get at us on Twitter at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. And that stands for Give Us Your Music. Checks out. Yes. And we have a Facebook page. Just search Zero Credits on the top Facebook search bar, I guess, and we'll, we'll come up. Really, Facebook's not a great way to get in contact with us. 
Well, yeah, it is, though, because I'm always on Facebook. So, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Contact us on Facebook. Look no, for contact us on Facebook immediately. Yeah. And in all of these locations, except for the Gmail, I guess, you can look for our new, brand new, top of the line, you probably already saw it, logo. Oh, yeah, we have a new logo. You probably tapped on it to get this episode. Yeah, because it's going to be up by the time this episode's up, I hope. Uh, I mean, we have to handle that. But in addition to that, you can find our new logo and other things on our Twitch channel. That's right. I forgot the name of our Twitch channel. It is twitch.tv slash zero credits. All for the price of nothing, you can watch us play video games whenever we happen to be on. Which has not happened so far, but by the time you'll listen to this, maybe. Who knows? You just have to subscribe and f- or follow and, and find out. And uh, I guess that does it for us, Henry. I think you're right, John. We've done everything we set out to do with this premiere episode and more. I think we gave them quite a bite. And it was not more that they can chew, because they'll come back for another one on our next episode of Season 2. Consider those booshes amused. Wait, what's a booshism? It's, no, okay, so, have you ever heard of an amuse-boosh? Oh yeah, I've heard of that, but what's a booshism? No, consider those booshes, their mouths, amused. Oh, I thought you said consider those booshes used. Uh, those booshes have been roughly used. Alright, well, take a bite out of crime. It's me, McScruff the Crimehound. McScruff the... the gruff... gruff dog. (laughs) Bye, everybody. You remember that drug rat? I don't... uh, No, I didn't have a drug rat.